Hi everyone, this is Kishore Chandra and we're here for Chit Chat. Myself and Jai Jagannath Prabhu come on here every night at 6 p.m. Eastern and we discuss Chit, uh, which means spiritual topics. And we've been going at this since the beginning of the, of the quarantine. Hare Bol, welcome. Welcome Mani Blue Skies, welcome Bing Kunj. Krishna, Anand, Hare Bol, Rick, Hare Krishna, Mayur, and uh, oh, Sanjeevani Radha is here. Uh, Jai Jagannath is here, so we will get started. And just a reminder that today Q and A. So you better have questions. Hey, Jai. Hari. Hare Bol, how's it going? Uh I'm trying to get my creative mobility back up to the standard mm. and I've been moving in a positive direction overall. I think I'm doing some creative stuff now with a few devotees and so I'm feeling positive about that. Good. That's very, that's good. That's very exciting. I'm just going to remind the audience that today we're doing questions and answers. So that means there's a little question, question mark at the bottom of the screen. And so please use that to type in your questions so that way I can like put it on the screen and everyone can see what your question is. And uh, I wrote on the story that it can be a personal question, it can be a societal or political question. <laughs> yeah, like this. So this is, Sham says, how are you? I'm imagining that's supposed to be a Y, not a T. Uh, so like this, so you can write a question in this little box. Thank you for kind of showing how, it's, how it is. And then we'll answer the question. And what was I saying? Oh yeah, question can be philosophical, of course, about obviously bhakti. It can be about any personal struggles or questions that you have, or questions that you have directly for Jaya or myself, or questions about politics and society, whatever. Oh, Shyam says that was a question. <laughs> Maybe we can ignore it, because... <laughs> oh my God. I saw on your, while we wait for the questions to come through, I want to say that I saw on your Facebook just now <laughs> this uh, at the, at the toe, Brahma, did you get your ass? Did you get your ass? <laughs> yeah, devotee, was... said, uh, devotee said this this morning because, okay, as far as my creative endeavors, I'm kind of working on a track. Well, I'm, I was just talking to a devotee about working on a, a sort of musical track. For those of you who don't know, I have a small background in like freestyle hip hop or, you know, word ciphering and throwing that over some beats. So I was talking about a devotee with that. And um, anyway, one of the things around what we want to do is wake up sleeping soul. Mm. And so I was sharing that with a devotee here who was part of that sort of scene before he was a devotee. And he mm. came up with that Atato Brahmaji. <laughs> so. Get your ass. <laughs> so that, was, that was pretty good. I thought it was pretty funny. That's a good one to go on a shirt. I think that's what you wrote on your Facebook, right? Yeah. Mm. Yes. So. so welcome Pat and Kavi. Welcome. I think I saw Adi Hall. Welcome Geneva. We've had some really spicy uh, past couple of chit chats. Welcome Alex. Some big kind of topics came up. 
some yeah. nerves some nerves were hit so uh please everyone today is today is for you because most of the time me and jai are just like talking about whatever's coming up in our mind and of course there's some commentary and, and we try to but i remember yesterday specifically there was <laughs> geneva says i would buy that shirt yesterday was specifically there were a lot of questions okay here we go okay here we go how do we Shyam says, how do we accept that the Maha Mantra is all we really need to deliver us to Krishna? Well, um, the beginning of the culture of bhakti is said to be Shraddha. And the Shraddha is said to be um, coming from the spiritual plane, Nirguna Shraddha, which is in contradistinction with this idea of Swapati. So Bhavajashraddha. So Bhavajashraddha so means the faith that is born of your own nature. Mm. And as we know, our nature is the, our nature in this particular life is a culmination of the impressions from this and previous lives. And so according to how we're all wired, or you can say programmed in a certain way. And according to that programming, we evolve a certain type of faith. Krishna mentions that in chapter 17, Gita. Whereas the Nirguna Shraddha is said to be beyond the Gunas because it is given by a devotee who is beyond the Gunas of nature. And it, they give what is called the Shabda Brahman. The Shabda Brahman literally means spiritual sound. Yeah. Um, Brahman means, amongst its many translations, it means transcendent or spiritual. And Shabda means sound. And Shabda Brahman is also considered one of the forms of the Godhead. So it is his form as the transcendental sound or his form as specifically the sacred text in this regard. And so Nirguna Shraddha is said to be Shraddha that is um, precisely informed by the sacred text. Mm. Especially for the Gaudiya tradition, we give a lot of emphasis to the Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm. Not a lot of emphasis, all of our emphasis is on the Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm. So from there, if, so there's a statement from the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Shraddha Shabde Vishwashrakahesudrita Nishchai. That what is Shraddha? Shraddha is Vishwash, is trust. Um, firm Dritta Vishwas, it is firm trust. That mm. simply by doing bhakti yoga, all one can achieve everything or accomplish everything in life. So basically one needs to have this divine Shraddha, mm. which is the root cause of the uh, initiation into the culture of bhakti and mm. which is the basis from which one progresses all the way to the goal of bhakti mm. um, that shraddha is informed by sh sacred text and it is sacred text that points us to the maha mantra or to mm. hari kirtan so because sacred text is pointing us to hari kirtan then what is the difficulty for us to accept once that shraddha is there of course there may be doubts to the proposition and so the disciple should present questions to the guru to remove those doubts. And then the doubts should be removed. If one has bona fide teacher, they can, they have power to remove doubts. And then like that, what is the difficulty? Mm, mm. Thank you for that beautiful philosophical answer. <laughs> I also wanted, I also just wanted to add on to this because I think it's a nice question. I don't know if this is what Sham meant, but for me, it's coming up that we have to accept that the Mahamantra is like this, all we really all we really need to deliver us to Krishna. 
but we brought, I'm going to make the question go away, but we brought this up a few chit chats ago as well, where it's not, it's not necessarily like the only thing in regards to like the how is very important as well, because we, you brought this up specifically of like, you know, 16 plus four equals back to Godhead right. and just kind of this idea, you know, there are the, the 10 offenses to the holy name. There is chanting, you know, in a way that, you know, namabas and chanting in a way that really isn't going to get you anywhere. And so there's chanting, but there's that firm faith in the chanting. There's the, I like that you brought up Shraddha. There's the firm faith in the scripture. There's the firm faith in the chanting. And like taking it seriously, you know, like I'm just to be practical, like taking your japa seriously, taking all of that seriously. Because, I mean, we've mentioned this many times on Chit Chat before. You can be with your bead bag and like with this finger, you know, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Hari, 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 you know, like th that stuff happens, you know, so, so like this. Okay. Yeah, you, just before you, this next question, just, you yeah. brought up another good point that should definitely be amplified that, mm. um, because Shastriya Shraddha, you have to hear Shastriya, the, the first thing that Shraddha actually, or Shastriya Shraddha, let me say it this way, the first thing Shastriya instructs us in is Sambandha. Mm. So there can really be no proper Abhideya without the proper conceptual orientation, which is called Sambandha. Yeah. You kind of got to be in alignment, so to speak, um, conceptually. And mm. so that requires, yes, Sambandha again. So Shash is playing a huge role in the Shraddha. And then after you get the Sambandha, that becomes more difficult. It's not very difficult after that. Yes. To have that sort of... Okay. Um... Let's see, let's go to Captain Sid, our dear Sid. How do we deal with devotees who are not of a similar rasa? Stop, stop. <laughs> we ain't got no rasa. This, this term rasa, I get the spirit though. I just wanted to- I get the spirit, I get the spirit. Uh, the perhaps it means, maybe he means like bhava. Like the, bhava? like- Bhava is high too. Not you bhava, know, but you, you know- say mood. Yeah, mood, like the different mood, the different bob. Perhaps a more accurate term for this would be sajatiya, sajati. So the word sajati means, it literally means in the same family mm. or the same category. It's called sajati. And so we have this concept that is mentioned by Rupa Goswami, a sajatiya sangha. So sajatiya sangha means like-minded association. And yeah, says qualifying, okay, mood. I meant mood. Yeah. Rest, these terms are very technical, actually. So you yeah, wanna, um, we want to make sure that we don't. What's the word? We don't divest them of their true import by yeah. using them casually. Um, yeah. So yeah, he meant mood. So that, I guess that's what he meant. If it's a, or sajati is something those who are sharing the same mood or the same spirit. So how do you deal with devotees who aren't, who are not of a similar mood? Just offer basis from afar. Yeah, bingo. Yep. Um, <laughs> Rupa Goswami, if you're looking for a, a pramanam for this, Rupa Goswami and his Upadeshamrita, we've often brought this book up in the course of talking about bhakti practice. So this is like the fundamental bhakti practice book, only 11 verses. And in the fourth verse, Rupa Goswami speaks about six loving exchanges amongst devotees. So then the question may come, am I supposed to like have these exchanges with all the devotees? And so Rupa Goswami clarifies in the verse after that, at least according to Prabhupada's purport, that it is not expected that you're going to have these sorts of loving dealings with all devotees. There are six of them, 
um, to give and receive gifts, to give and receive prasad, and to share one's heart in confidence and to inquire confidentially. These are the six types of loving exchanges. So the verse 5 of Dashamrita says, Krishneti Yashagrita Manasadrita. That some devotees you have to offer respects in the mind. Yeah. And we often add from a distance. That's a fact. <laughs> Everyone is inside Jati. That doesn't mean you hateful of them or they're evil or bad people. But some devotees, yeah, you maybe you're not like minded because you're not advanced enough. Mm. That's it could be part of the formula. Maybe if you are advanced, maybe you guys are in like different rasas. Mm. So that means you're going to have a different interest in different sorts of Christian kata. Mm. It's not going to exactly be that all Christian kata you'll find equally um, desirable to hear all the time. So that could be a factor. Um, what I've noticed in playing out in our modern situation, devotees, they think differently on mundane things like politics mm, yeah and that could be a real as we're seeing and that could be like a huge deal breaker for a lot of devotee relationships maybe that's unfortunate but that's what's going on that's not necessarily a bad thing people aren't going to always be like-minded so the Bible, excuse me Upadesh Amrita advises us to offer respects in the mind from a distance and that means you should really respect oh they are a devotee of Krishna you know okay good enough and then leave it like that. Okay. Next. Sanjeev Anurada, what is your Shastra study process? Shastra study? Shastra study. Study? <laughs> um. <laughs> you want to uh, go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I mean, I'm reading like a lot of things at the same time. So I've been, I'm in the end of the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam and I've been really like just... That's been, that's been a long one. And then we're reading Chaitanya Charitamrita and then reading Gita as well. And then reading the Mukunda Malashtotra. But like sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. What I try to do is some books, like let's say right now Chaitanya Charitamrita, we're just reading the verses. So we're just reading the verses like that and we'll leave the purport for another time. And then just, and you've suggested this before to me, like just read the verses all the way through once so that way you have like a handle, you know, like a hold on like, what, what is this saying? And then read it again with the purport, you know, so you can do that canto by canto. Like that's how I was doing at the beginning. I was like reading the first canto, just the verses. Then I would reread it again with the verses and the purport. And then whenever I find, because I remember also when I, when I started trying to memorize verses, I felt like I... I, I had to memorize the important ones, which is true for sure. But um, the ones that I ended up memorizing were the ones that I really liked or the ones that like really spoke to my heart or the ones that like really, really, you know, I found a lot of deep meaning in them. And I remember I said that to you, Jai Jagannath, and you were like, that's correct. Like, that's what you should do. You know, you should, you should have a relationship with the verse and like feel like it's close to you like this. Um, but yeah, that's basically my study process. Yeah, after my process, I would like to say to open up with that I personally think that the heart of study, I'm going to use this language, the heart of study is kirtan. I know, I know we think of kirtan as just, there's non-kirtan, that is a type mm. of kirtan, and we, we generally promote non-sankirtan, which means congregational chanting of non, 
of the holy name of Krishna. But kirtan also means the kirtan of the pata, of the topics mm. of Krishna. So I personally find that the heart of study or hearing is kirtan. That means yeah. you yourself explaining the subject matter to your children, to your, your friend, yeah. obviously your devoted friend or even your non-devoted friend if they're open, um, to a Bhagavatam class that you're giving in the temple, or to your journal, if you're just re-explaining it to yourself in ways that it's super clear for you. Yeah. I personally have found over the years that the heart of study is to do kirtan. I've personally been blessed that throughout my whole Christian conscious, let's say, career, I've always been, Krishna has always sent someone who wanted to hear from me. Mm. Uh, someone who was like lesser than me in terms of their experience and knowledge. And they wanted to hear from me, like, you know, they find, found inspiration in my way of articulating or whatever it was, they wanted to hear from me. And so that gave me an opportunity to explain what it was that I was learning. So I generally tend to think that it's a little difficult for those who don't do kirtan to study deeply. Yeah. Also, when you do kirtan, because kirtan, you're engaging with the environment, whether that environment is your friend or the environment is, you know, a bunch of learned devotees in front of you, which can be really intimidating, or the environment is like a university where you're, you're coming against atheistic ideas. And that pushback from the environment forces you to go deeper. Yep. I'll, I ain't going to lie. I've mentioned, probably mentioned this before on Chit Chat, but when I used to be, when I was in the monastery and I would distribute books on college campuses, I did not care about distributing books. I just wanted to fight with people. Like, I literally wanted to show that I had a superior <laughs> philosophy. And, and, you know, that wasn't, the, like, the purest motivation, but I didn't care. As long as I came out with a W at the end of the argument, and I was happy. And I noticed that sometimes I wasn't able to establish conclusively the ideas of Gita and Bhagavatam. And I would be dejected because of that. Um, and I would go back and try to understand deeper, like, yeah, how does a Bhagavatam deal with this sort of question? How does a Bhagavatam deal with that sort of question? And it forced me to, even though my motivations were whack, I did get over that after a few years. Thank you. Mm. I had some whack motivations, but it did force me to engage with the Bhagavatam in a deeper way because another point, and I often mention this point, my, it's one of my sutras. Okay, it's probably false ego to claim this, but. Oh, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, evolution of inquiry precedes evolution of being. So sometimes we have like our own questions that have led us to the spiritual path and specifically to the path of bhakti. But mm. after some time, um, we, we maybe run out of steam, so mm. to speak. Like we're like, okay, I got my path now and I know it's up. And we don't have the intelligence or the pure, purity to understand what are the deeper questions we need to ask to get a deeper understanding of things. Mm. And usually what ends up happening is when you do kirtan of the kata, someone else is going to ask those questions for you. Mm. And that forces you to like, wow, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to have to take that question and put it to the Bhagavatam or put it to whatever sacred text I'm studying. And that's going to force me to go deeper. So anyway, that's my opening statement that kirtan is the heart of study. Explain it to your journal, explain it to your kids, explain it to your friend, explain it to the Boston class, explain it to someone. By the mm -hmm. way, 
what I'm sharing is also from Pearl Paspurpur. He himself has told this. And if you see the Shema Bhagavatam, first volume, chapter one, verse number, I think it's six, where he says, Shravanam and Kirtan is Bhakti Yoga. And he says, reading the literatures is called Shravanam and explaining them is called Kirtanam. And then he says mm. a statement that I have never forgot. One cannot assimilate the Shash, or he says one can only assimilate Shema Bhagavatam by hearing and explaining them. Mm. So I can tell you my process, but I, I, at the heart of what I would like to point you to is you have to do kirtan at the top. Mm. Otherwise, mm. you're not likely to, you may not be likely to go so deep. Uh, thank you for bringing that up because that was also on my mind. And I specifically, like when I, I've been asked a couple of times at like yoga studio, I've been asked to give Bhagavatam class and I've always just been like, uh. It's intimidating, especially they're like in Canto 8 right now. And I'm like, I don't, you know, like maybe if it was like Canto 4, 7 or 8 is like, like the verses are anyway, we don't need to go there. Um, but um, when I was called to yoga studios, since I'm a yoga teacher, a lot of yoga studios are like, can you teach Bhagavad Gita? And I was like, yeah, I can teach Bhagavad Gita. But it really, really forced me to be like, I got to know my chit. Like, I got to know what I'm talking about. So let me, like, review everything. Let me figure out a way how to explain this um, so that it's accessible to people. And uh, that really kind of solidified the knowledge in my mind. Of, like, these are the central themes. This is the way that it's split up. This is the message of each section. These are the four major slogans. Boom, boom, boom. Like, it really made me, like do that as opposed to like you know you're just reading it because you know just reading and not hearing is actually not it's not good because you're drawing your own conclusions you need to listen as well you need to hear as well i was going to mention this really hearing as well from someone that is more that is more advanced than you in bhakti i feel like is very much at the heart of study as well because i find myself when i hear from people that you know, I don't need to go into this too deeply, but you know what I'm talking about, that I hear from people that maybe, maybe it's like they're not speaking straight Shastra. Basically, like you don't want to hear a rant. You want to hear the Shastra. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to hear a rant. I don't want to hear your opinions on politics. I don't want to hear all this stuff. I want to hear your realization on the Shastra. You know, I don't want to hear whatever. Anyway, so I think hearing from, finding someone that you really enjoy hearing from that you feel that you respect and that you feel that you're getting, gaining knowledge from, I think is, it's like an invaluable thing. Okay, next question. Here we go. Keep the questions coming, everyone. Money Blue Skies, how does one find a guru and how does one get accepted by a guru? <laughs> <laughs> this could be like a whole course. <laughs> <laughs> I like to start off with this sort of question, how does one find a guru? I think the first step is just being interested and wanting to know what the truth is. Mm. You know, it, it, the truth concerning yourself, the truth concerning the world, the truth concerning the source of things. Mm. Um, there's kind of like a genuine desire for standing in the sun of truth. Mm. And the guru, in a sense, is considered like a ray of that sun of truth. He's mm. an aspect of the absolute truth. So if you take the absolute truth to be like the sun, then the guru is like a ray of the sun. And as you know, it is the ray 
of the suns that illumines the eyes and allows the eye to function in relationship to the world and see it. In other words, if there was no sun or some representation of the sun, like fire, electricity, then your eye only has the potential to see, but it can't see on its own power. It can only see with the assistance of a light source that illumines the eye and allows it to function in relationship to the object. And so the guru is like that ray of sunshine mm. that allows our spiritual eyes, so to speak, to open and see the reality of things. But mm. it kind of starts with the sincerity for understanding. Like, you know, I, I feel like there's a tendency to like want to be validated. Even in spiritual life, like when people are like, I'm searching, sometimes, especially in a culture like ours, which is so profoundly shallow, um, and we're kind of products of such a culture. So we, you know, there are aspects of our personality that's like that also. We haven't escaped that. We can really be, you know, searching for the truth, which means the validation of all the things that I already believed in. But kind of like being prepared to digest those hard to swallow pills. And, you know, in other words, being ready to accept the truth, however it is manifesting for you. And, Oftentimes, you'll find that in that search for the truth, you're going to you encounter a lot of unpalatable things, mm. things that you don't like to hear and so on. And that's not to say that unpalatable things are more the truth than palatable mm. things. But that is generally the, the situation that when you're encountering something profound and deep that you because we're, our starting point is ignorance is a lot of things that we won't like to hear. And so we have to have that sincerity to desire that. And I think from that sincerity mm. for, for truth, um, one can discover by good graces the guru. That's one point. Anyway, I'm going to stop because you may have some ideas. Yeah, that's, that's one point for sure. I think it's like the most important point in regards to I have to have a sincere desire to seek out truth, to want to give to want to at least at least the desire to give up some sort of material life should be there you know there's maybe a disappointment with material life maybe like you know that that sincere desire of under, of that first kind of flame of just like this world seems like not Absolutely. it you know you, brought you know like that, that, that moment where you're just like because i think that if you are still i mean we're all very attached but if if you're not having that moment where you're like realizing that this material world is really really not going to bring us happiness in the end you yeah know? you don't need a guru then so you don't need a guru like if you if you truly believe that you're going to find happiness in career in money in sex in relationships in movies in uh, blah we, the list can go on you know if that's what you think you're going to find happiness in then there's no need for a guru yeah, then, do you, but you yeah. don't need a guru. You don't need a yeah. guru with it. You yeah. actually reminded me of the verse, and the this is a pramanam, tasma gurum prapatiye tajignasu shri uttama. And this, the word tasma means therefore, and the context and where this verse appears is talking about the futility of terrestrial and celestial sense enjoyment. Mm. And so it's saying, therefore, after having realized the futility of the earthly and celestial enjoyment, Guru Prapadita takes shelter of a guru. Because once you come in that realization, you'll become jaded like anything. Because all we know <laughs> is a world of sensuality 
So if you kind of really discover the emptiness of that, then you're going to be jaded. So then the Bhagavatam says, Guru, go take shelter of Guru. Now you need to take shelter because you're going to need something to uplift the spirit having discovered the harsh truth of this reality. So that's a very nice point that you're, you're bringing up. And that's mm. part of the sincerity point. Yeah. Like, you can't really be running after matter on the one hand and, be, and, claim, and make a claim to sincerity. <laughs> well, you're sincere about something, but <laughs> it ain't about the guru thing. Oh, uh, uh, Krishna. And, and that happens, you know, unfortunately. That does happen. And so, yeah, one needs to have their head kind of screwed on tightly and understand that, uh, like, you, like you mentioned. And then one thing I'll, one final thing I'll say is that, so there's the sincerity part, there's the understanding, the reality of the fact that this world is an illusion, it's not going to bring any happiness, okay? And then once there's, once there's that deep longing, you know, that deep desire to have spiritual knowledge, the guru you know, you will be exposed to spiritual communities, you will be exposed to different teachers like this. And I remember something that I was told was like, really like, try really like get to know your guru before, before making any decisions. Because sometimes it can be a little bit of like, just, you know, Passion. like, yeah, very passionate, yeah, very just like, gotta get a guru, I got it. Everyone else has a guru, everyone else has a spiritual name, I got it, you know, like this. And I remember when I was, when I was really starting to consider my guru, Dave, I was told like, listen to all of his lectures, like from 1980, from 1990, from two, like just here, just here and listen to his Bob and listen to like this. And that's what I did, you know, before making any like rash decisions, because that feeling was there, especially when you're living like an ashram or you're living kind of like in that devotional community. It's like, everyone's getting initiated, but I, I'm supposed to feel yeah, like this. What about me? And, you know, it should, it should, really shouldn't come from that. It shouldn't come from this passionate place. It should come from a, a sincere place, for sure. Okay, next question. Uh, PB Chat says, what are some devotional milestones beginner devotees should aim for? Hmm. Getting up mm. early in the morning. <laughs> Making your bed. And doing hard now. <laughs> Devotional milestones. This is an interesting question. I'm not I, I have one for sure, but okay. mine's a little, mine's a little, I don't know. I, I think you should go first. I'll save mine later. Um, the, well, I think the question had devotional milestones that devotees should aim for. Oh yeah, should. I didn't see that should. Which makes it sort of sound like a moral imperative. Yeah. <laughs> like you should be doing this. And that's definitely not my spirit and communicating Krishna consciousness at all. I was um, thinking more devotional milestones that happen. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. That's kind of how I wanted to reply. But the word should came in and I was like, oh, um, okay. <laughs> that kind of changes things quite a bit. Um, Oh, I would, I, maybe I, I do want to comment on what that just uh, as far as, you know, I think there are shoulds in spiritual life and that can be intimidating for persons like us who are from the Western world who tend to disbelieve in shoulds. You know, we tend to believe that it's kind of a free for all. And especially when it comes to spiritual life, we've been kind of socialized to think of spirituality as more intuitive and less of the should part 
Mm. It was just some bad history with religion. So we're not, we're not usually that inspired by shoulds. Um, I also don't like to express, you know, bhakti in terms of the should point so much, although there are some shoulds um, for sure. Uh, I think spiritual life generally progresses organically, like according to the extent of freedom from ignorance or the extent of enlightenment you're getting from your tradition, you'll naturally move to the next stage. Mm. Your, your knowledge and your enlightenment kind of obliges you to do so. It's just like, this is, a, this is such a poor example. I don't know why this nasty image came in my head, but it's like if you wake up in the, you know, in the middle of the night, it's dark. And you turn a light on, and you see some stool on the floor. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> just, I don't know why it's such a thing. I don't know why that came to my head. But you see some stool on the floor. So because the light, like when the light's off, you don't really notice it. It's not really a problem. Maybe you're like, there's some bad smell, but whatever, I'll tolerate. But once you turn a light on and you see the stool is lying on the floor, the light kind of obliges you to clean it up. Like you can't, with good conscience, leave it there. So I like sure. to think of spiritual life, growth in spiritual life to be similar, that the degree we are free from ignorance to the degree we are enlightened, our enlightenment itself will oblige us to do the shoulds, to mm. kind of make those steps without it feeling like in, in position. But I think one of the bigger, the probably the more most important milestones new devotees should aim for and again, I'm, this is a qualified shift for me because I never exactly advise people like this, is giving up the association of non-devotees. And I, that's one of those hard pills to swallow. In fact, one of my friends, old school devotee, it's been around since the 90s, he, he shared a meme on a Vaishnav humor page, which said, you know, it was a meme that says hard pills to swallow at top, and then it's a picture of someone holding hard pills to pills. So hard, a hard pill to swallow, and then the, the pill said, um, a, the characteristic of a Vaishnava is to give up the association of non-devotees. And he says so many devotees reacted negatively to that meme. Mm. So much, then, so he, that's actually a verse from the Chaitanya Charitamrita that Mahabrabhu himself speaks. Asasanga, um, Tyaga, a Vaishnava Achar that the achar means behavior of a Vaishnava is that he gives up a satsanga, non-devotee sangha. Mm. And so when he shared that quote, then some devotees responded, well, that's why I don't like Iskand. They're so fanatic. Um, and I was like, wait, that's not even Iskand. That's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, girl. If that's the problem with Chaitanya <laughs> Mahaprabhu. Then you didn't take it out with him. You know <laughs> so, but it was interesting to see that sort of negative reaction to that. And I, and I think the negative reaction itself speaks to the milestones new devotees do need to cross. Not mm. only not only a satsanga in terms of like hanging out with people who aren't really devotees, but associating with non-devotees ideas, that's also considered very dangerous for devotees to do, to sit. And, and in that sense, a lot of us, I, me included, we do a lot of a satsanga in that way. We're going on the YouTube and we're hearing this one's ideas and that one's ideas and the other one's ideas. That's a lot of terror. In one sense, it's the worst type of a something you can do. Because at least if you're hanging out with some, some clown friends of yours, y'all going out drinking and partying, that's not going to really hurt you conceptually. You're kind of safe. But when you're hanging out with 
ideas, non-devotional ideas, those are the ones that can really suffocate your shraddha. And they kind of, or in certain cases, what I've observed is they seep in to the devotional ideas so much so that you will become antagonistic without your even awareness of it to devotional principles because of some something that you got from some source that you don't even know where you got it from. Mm. And so I, if there's a milestone that we should be aiming for, is to give up the association of non-devotees. I think that's pretty much one of the most difficult things to do. In the age of social media, it's probably by far the hardest thing to do. I'm, I struggle with it in essence too. I have to my credit, I'm a little bit fanatical when it comes to my Krishna conscious ideas. Mm. Like I'm like always like, well, whatever the Bosom says first, and if whatever you're saying kind of matches what Bosom says, okay, I'll accept that. But otherwise, you're wrong until Bosom proves you correct. Mm. I have that because I kind of grew up fanatically, and yeah. I like, I love that. I love that I grew up fanatically, but I noticed that a lot of new, newer devotees. They kind of have this softer entry into Krishna consciousness, which is also wonderful. But yeah. they don't have that. They don't have that edge, that bottom edge, and so they kind of open their hearts up to all this non-devotional nonsense, mm. frankly speaking. And their their advancement will be it will absolutely be curtailed. There is no doubt about it. The Bhagavatam is extremely heavy about non-devotional association. Rupa Goswami himself says. It will be better to be devoured by a sea monster. <laughs> I mean, like, yes. talk about extra. <laughs> talk about being extra. It will be better to be eaten alive by a sea monster or to be caught in a cage with tigers surrounded by fire. <laughs> like, you want to talk about being extra than to associate with non-devotees. So I, that, I think that would give that as an answer. I'm just going to qualify that and amplify that a little bit because I think it's one of those things that people don't like to hear because it right. seems like very intense and especially for like the modern age and like the social media and stuff. But one thing that I will say about a devotional milestone, I'm going to take out the should. Um, I'm just right. going to say that <laughs> right. I'm just going to say a devotional milestone that that happens um, they kind of go hand in hand because I think with the issue of asat sangha and associating with non-devotees, like you think it's okay until something happens. And then you realize how not okay it is. And so the devotional milestone or something that happens in devotional life to everyone is like, you know, falling is, um, is like falling flat on your face is like screwing up. It's like doing something you're not supposed to be doing, getting your hand caught in the cookie jar, Asat Sangha, whatever it is, we don't need to go into details, but whatever it is, something is going to happen where like there's this propensity in you, you know, our anarthas. Everyone has a different propensity. Of course, they all come from, you know, lust and all this, but we all have a different way of kind of showing it. And like eventually, if I don't have that in check, if I'm not doing the necessary work to kind of like figure it out, clear it out, purify it, Krishna is going to come. And, you know, devotional milestone, Krishna's going to be like, okay, we really need to purify this. So, you know, bam, 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 and something's going to happen. And I think with this Asat Sangha and in, in general with everything, like how I associate with the material world, I brought this word up before where there's this bargaining that goes on. Well, you know, 
I can be a devotee, but I can also like do this or like, I can do this, but I can also be friends and like whatever like this. And I mean, trust me, I'm speaking from experience. Krishna is going to come at some point in life and knock you a devotional milestone for you to remember, you know? I went up on this is a good topic actually. Yeah, I was is. driving into the city, uh, a very small city in, near us, and anyway, I was having a conversation with a devotee, and we were talking about like the standard devotees, kind of making a joke, like this like sort of stereotypical institutional standard. Yeah, but is it okay now? It's still circling on my screen. I can hear you. Okay, well, now you're circling on my screen. No! This was getting so good. I look good. You look pixelated. <laughs> well, for me, I look good, and I see the circle on your screen. No, that's incorrect. Your perception is wrong <laughs> jaya why don't you because i have to end the whole thing so whenever you sign out and sign back in it always fixes so just do like that i'll i'll try it okay because we... we're on we're on a roll we're on a roll did jaya go do i have to x him out Um, who knew what's happening here? Yeah, sorry, everyone. I don't know what to do because if I end it, then it ends everything. Let's see, what if I do like this? Yeah, I tried to remove him. I'm not even getting a request from Jaya. Okay, okay, okay. Now. Now it's <laughs> Jaya says, let me in. Okay, why isn't this working, everyone? I'm really blurry. Maybe it'll get fixed. I don't know. Yes. It's it's on your side, bro. It's all right. Bro. I know. I don't I don't know what to do. Because all if right, I end the thing No, I was just saying if I end the thing then um then it ends everything. All right, I just wanted to say this. What I was trying to say is that at this point in my spiritual life, I was joking with this devotee. I would be happy to just be a standard devotee. <laughs> you know, because the tendency yeah. is like, the tendency is uh, um, you want to be unique. You want to be, you want to like kind of stand out from the bunch. Oh. I hear that. Okay, yeah. Everyone can hear us still, so okay. let's just keep on going. The tendency is you want to stand out from the bunch, but 
I, w- I was like, at this point, I would be happy to just be like a standard devotee, just one of the rare roses in the bunch of rare, in the bundle of rare roses. And um, mm. I forgot why I really brought that point up, but just to, just speaking to the idea of, um, I forgot what you were mentioning specifically that inspired me. I was, I was speaking about, I was speaking about, I was speaking about how like that milestone of like, you know, doing something you're not supposed to be doing. And basically if you're not doing the inner work for purification of the heart, Krishna is going to come along and send you something to kind of force that to happen. Right. Yeah. um, Oh, this is what I wanted to say to that. I feel like in our, our generation of devotees, everyone wants to be cool. They don't want to be standard. They want to be cool. They want to be like an influencer devotee or they like got a podcast or, you know, we're, we're not the fanatic. We're not those fanatic guys that wear like T-Lock and Sika and Doty in public looking all weird. We're like, cool. So we like, we go to movies, we go to restaurants. We don't judge people for being who they are. And we're also devotees. And I get that. I feel like I have that to a, a large degree also like, I want to be like the cool devotee. And as in, in the spirit of wanting to be the cool devotee, we've, we've gone a long way from just being a standard devotee. <laughs> like, and, and when you're not standard, let me say it this way, the tendency is to be substandard. That's basically what I've observed. Mm. And myself included. So I'm not trying to be judgy here. But in myself included, mm. I, I've observed that when the spirit to be the cool devotee emerges, the tendency is to start to be really substandard. And so you become really lax about things like associating with non-devotees or some, some certain principles, you're a little bit, you know, here and there with. So I, I was joking with this devotee, like, I think my days of being a cool devotee are up. I just want to be a standard devotee. Mm. If I could get back to the standard, <laughs> I would be like happy about that and then kind of work my way mm. from there. So I really, yeah, I do think this is a disease ultimately. Not that we can't, I think we could be cool and be a standard devotee. So I don't want to give that idea also, but I just, I've noticed yeah. it in the psyche of myself. And I think in a lot of younger generation that we want to be cool and relatable. And so in doing that, we've become substandard. Like we don't even care about the actual standard anymore because it's deemed fanatic or whatever it might be deemed in our heads. So I really wanted to bring that up. I, I really think that's an important Thing that you were bringing up that's that that's a, that's such an important point and maybe like maybe tomorrow we can go back to like normal chit chat we won't do q a maybe we can talk on this point because i feel this so much from the younger devotees i have this in myself it's like this thing it's like pressing in your head of like well i gotta be cool i gotta be relatable i gotta be contemporary i gotta be modern i gotta be able to like this and this and this mainstream i need to be mainstream I need to have a platform. I need to have a platform. All this kind of language. It's so, it's ridiculous. And I, I feel that I'm like, yo, I just want to be a standard. I just want to be a standard devotee. That's what I want. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, like, Jaya, I, wake since... up, I wake up early. I take cold showers. I put T-Lock on. I go and worship the deity at Mangalarti. I chant Japa while half asleep. And then I go to the, you know, the, the Govinda's prayers. And then I go to the Bhagavatam class, and then I take prasadam, and then after that I study scripture for a couple hours. I take a big Mahad nap, and then you know, like this standard 
devotee. Now, again, I don't want to, I'll never be that ever again. <laughs> so uh, I would be honest with myself. But just like coming to the point of being like standing, like I choose Krishna over sense gratification on days like a Kadashi. I go to his festivals mm. and I fast. I, I, I wear my tilak. You know, I, I'm really trying to get back into that spirit of putting my tilak on a little bit more. And I'm not embarrassed. Me too. I'm having, I'm having as my... a devotee. Mm. No, I was, I was just sharing that I also am feeling that. And I'm, I'm having some tilak sent to me because I forgot my tilak. And so my mother is coming on Sunday and I'm having her bring my tilak as well as some other, some other things that I left. Because I'm also feeling like, you know, I started... I started like waking up early and just chanting my own prayers in the morning, like the Guruvashtakam prayers, the Nershinga prayers like this in the morning. Cause I was like, I mean, we used to do that in the ashram. And then since I've left right. the ashram, it hasn't been so strong. And so I was just like, let me just get back to this because this is really the standard, you know? Uh, and I think we're still on PB chat's question of like, you know, what, what should, what are these milestones that we should do? And it's like, yeah, it's like, wake up early, chant, Chant to the guru, chant to the deity, like this. Okay, now you're just totally gone, Jaya. So, Kavi says, I love that. Standard is, standard is the goal. It's anything more than that is ego-driven, if you think about it. Why do we need platforms or a bigger voice? Exactly. I love that, Kavi. That's such a good one. I'm going to screenshot that, so maybe we can start on that tomorrow. Okay, this video situation is totally gone, everyone. So... I mean, we've gone for a good 48 minutes of questions and answers. Sorry that we didn't get to all of the questions. We're gonna, we should do this once a week, Jaya. Once a week, all let's right. do. For sure. Oh, you can see, I can't see Jaya. Uh, but anyway, at least we have the audio, so this will be on Spotify and on SoundCloud. And um, we'll see you all tomorrow at 6 p.m. Thank you all for this awesome. very lively question and answers. And we'll do it once a week, so that we c I know that there were a lot of questions left that we didn't get to. So. Please forgive us for that. There'll be more questions and answers in the future. Okay, everyone. Thank you so much for all your questions. It was Hadi. so awesome. Thank you, Jaya. Hari Hari Bol. Thank See you, you tomorrow at 6 p.m., everyone. Hare Krishna.